Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 108 for Monday, March 27th, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome. Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here in Los Gatos, California. It's Paul Kent. Busy week, Paul. <laughs> Life is cruising right now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. For for those of you that, uh, that don't know, and this is probably the majority of you, Paul and I actually announced a non-music related, a, a an Apple Market related conference called Apple Market Forum last week. So we've got other stuff going on in addition to this. So that's, uh, it keeps it fun. Keeps Paul you know and I, I talking. <laughs> absolutely. You know what I was thinking is like, that's something that we do that we both love and, you know, we're, we're working so well together. But even if you have, um, for most people, you know, if your day job is a bit of drudgery or it's what you have to do, or, you know, isn't it great when music is your your respite, right? Isn't it great when when you have a gig to look forward to, even in a bad week, you get to play some music. Almost doesn't matter what the gig is, restaurant, little bar, dive bar, big bar, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it, it, I was thinking as life is really, really busy right now and life is really, really busy right now, that – you know, you look on the calendar and you say, oh, Thursday night, I got that. I can't wait for that. It just, you know, it just never fails. It just is always, you know, music is this thing that just, that gives, you know, just, it's, it's a constant. I, um, I, you and I are very different in this regard. Now we're, we are only different right up until the point that like, I was going to say the right up until the point of the downbeat of the gig, but I'm actually, I'm good. Like right from the point where all the gears set up and everything's good to go. Like that, then I'm in the element and I can't wait to play and I'm like totally stoked. But um, when things get busy, like my brain starts telling me, oh, if only your Thursday gig would get canceled, you know, like that, that that's what that's what starts going on in my head. But I know that I don't actually want that like that. that but that kind of stuff happens. And I, and I don't know. But that's always it's not even just when life gets busy. I think I've said on this show several times, if you called me like up until like 3 p.m. on the day of a gig and canceled it, I'd probably be at least in the short term very happy with with that phone call. Uh, I don't know why that is, though, like because I I'm totally with you that like I need these things in my life and I love it when I'm when I'm at the gig and plan and, and just the whole experience of it is totally my thing. But for some reason, like I guess it's just the. The logistics of, okay, I got to like deal with this and deal with that and all that, you know, like all that stuff. I don't know. That's just who I am. That's that's how my brain works. You you process a gig. You think about the technical things. Mm. I think about kind of the big picture, you know, and that's, I think that's the thing is you, you're like, I'm already exhausted. I'm already busy (laughs) and I got to do this stuff before I can enjoy. Yeah. And I, and I kind of jump, I leapfrog that stuff. That's what I try to do now. Yeah. So that's that's that's, healthy. And remember I got a bill, so you need a bill. Well, I'm looking forward to this new band Uptown Celebration uh, because they have a bill. His name is actually Dave, but, uh, but I got to meet him at the audition and he is their full-time sound person. So yeah. I, I am I am looking forward to that. I have now, you know, it, I, I also know who I am. Right. And I have no doubt that there's going to be 
uh, I, I'm like Mr. Sound Guy in every other band that I'm in. So I, I am very particular about what I like and what I think I know works and all of that stuff. And so there's going to be this little dance that, that the two Daves are going to do uh, learning each other. And, and it's going to require certainly for me uh, a great deal of of just, you know, let it go for the first couple of gigs, see how it works. Maybe maybe whatever system this is that, you know, and I don't mean like what what gear they use, but just the overall the holistic system, whatever that is, obviously has worked for this band for a while. Don't mess with it right out of the gate, Dave. So that and I'm talking to me, Dave, not not him, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I've had to have that obviously have that conversation with myself several times. Like, yep, just get what you need. Like, you know, in terms of monitor mix or whatever, like, you know, OK, carve out your the, the you know, pick your battles. Not that I think of it as battles, but but that's a good, concise way of con- communicating it. Like, you know, find the and it's really pick your battle. Find the one thing that is most important to you. And that's the only thing you get to ask about. Everything yeah, don't else, set this up to fail. Right. Right. Don't, right. Don't, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Just just like what's the one thing if there is even one thing that's vital that you might need to change. And then that's the only thing you're allowed to change. So, you know, my, my deal with myself is I only get one and that's the only thing I get to ask about and everything else I have to let it go. So that's uh, but that's just, you know, that's me overanalyzing everything. Yeah. 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 Relax and enjoy. Let it be. <laughs> Somebody, somebody you, said, let it be. We've met, right? Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying to this, you as a bud, you yeah. know. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to just reflect on for a moment that you don't have to lug shit. You don't have to, you know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about stuff. Just focus on the upside. Well, here. I do have to lug my drums, but, you know, I mean, that's okay. Like, that's, I'm, that's fine. I don't, I didn't even think about that anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Speaking, I, I, I want to hear about your gigs, but while we're on the subject of Dave being a crazy maniac, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, saw, I saw Green Day recently huh. at, uh, down in Worcester, Massachusetts. Not that anybody cares. And uh, it was a good night. Actually, they, they played really, really well. The band was, was, uh, was in good spirits. They even gave this little, he must have been like a nine-year-old kid, a guitar. They like to bring people up on stage to sing tunes and play along with them and stuff. And, and so they gave this kid a guitar, which was, which was kind of cool. And, and, uh, and, and they, you know, they played really well. They had an opening band called Against Me. Uh, I'd never heard of before. They were, they were good. They sounded good. It was loud. Uh, I actually did something that I've never done at a concert before. So it was supposed to be the four of us, uh, the the four of us in my family, my wife and I, and and then our our son and our daughter. But our daughter was coming back from a school field trip and there was a ton of traffic because of a jackknife tractor trailer. She didn't make it to the show. Mm. And of course, this all sort of happened last minute. Like we had this this very well choreographed plan where we were going to pick her up like on the way and it was all going to work. And then it didn't work. So we didn't, we like, there wasn't enough time to, to bring someone else with us or whatever. And uh, so we had four tickets, but only three of us, we get to the venue or we get to the town, you know, we park in Worcester in some lot or whatever. We walk to the thing, we get in and, uh, and the show was like running. I've never seen a rock show start before the start time, but the opening band was on stage we walked in five minutes before ticket time and the opening band was already playing, which was fine. But I was just like, wow, that's that's interesting. You've never seen that. And uh, so we went and sat at our seats and on our way to our seats, my son said, oh, I left my earplugs in the car. 
And I'm like, crap, man. Like, we literally had a conversation about this as we're leaving the car. But, you know, this stuff happens. And I thought, okay, let's go in. Let's sit down at our seats. Let's see how loud it is. And uh, and then, you know, we can we can sort of come up with a plan because I've got a plan. And uh, we sat down. It was like, yeah, okay, you're going to need earplugs for the show. And I thought, well, I could probably go to the, um, you know, the merch booth or whatever. They, they'll probably sell me an overpriced pair of crappy earplugs. But at yeah. least it's something. And I thought, no, you know what? I have another ticket. I can get back in again because I have my daughter's ticket that we can't give to anybody else because we only have it electronically. <laughs> and uh, so I left the concert while everybody was coming in and th- like the security people are like, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Cause we can't let you back in. I'm like, no, actually you can. I have another ticket. <laughs> They're like, yeah, look, you do whatever you want. That's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, your same ticket can't be scanned when you come back in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah no. So, uh, so I went to the car. I, I left while everybody was coming to the concert. I've never done that before. I guess most of us probably haven't because you know, we don't have, have. Lu- we don't have the luxury of a ticket. Right. Yeah, but um, it, but the show started, you know, and the the opening band actually sounded great. And and these days, I figure there's however a band sounds, certainly a headliner, uh, however a band sounds is how they intend to sound. We have all the technology in the world to make it so that you can make pretty much any room, especially an arena, you know, sound mostly the way you want. Uh, you know, actually, I saw a documentary with your buddy that uh, that Brad, does yeah. sound for Rush, Brad. Yeah. And he talks about how he takes the opening number. He records the opening number from the previous night of the tour and then plays that back through the mains while he's walking around in every section, uh, either manually or letting the computer auto tune the, the line arrays that are aiming to that section and really just getting everything right. So which is cool. So I assume every band sounds like what they want to sound like for whatever reason they choose. That's what they sound like. So the opening band actually sounded really good. And then green day come out and it was the weirdest thing. It sounded like the only thing that was being fed to the subwoofers was the drummer's floor toms, no bass drum, no bass. It was this really thin sound. And, and it, it, if they didn't put his floor toms in the subs, it probably wouldn't have been as obvious, but it was kind of weird because he'd do a fill. And if he did like, you know, one of these roundhouse fills or whatever, when he hit those floor toms, it would be this like, boom. yeah, this boom that you didn't get like the click drum. The kick drum was just like the click drum. Like you just heard like that was it. And the bass, you could hear the <clears throat> bass line, but you didn't feel it. And my assumption is they ch- they didn't do this with the opening band and they sounded fine. But my assumption is Green Day, you know, they do a lot of stuff with harmonies and stuff. And perhaps they didn't want to muddy up the sound with too much in the subs. Uh, you know, obviously the subs worked because they worked when they hit the floor toms like really well. <laughs> <laughs> too well, almost. Too well. Yeah, it was it was fine if he was doing like a groove on the floor toms where he was just there. But when they were included sort of amongst the rest of the kit, it was out of balance. Um and these are the things that catch your attention and weird stuff with the drummer mix. Well, the weird stuff with just the sound mix. Cause the, the bass should have been in there too. It should have been like thumping along, but, uh, and of course I asked my family about it and Lisa's like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. She's like, lighten up, you know, just enjoy the show. And uh-huh. uh, she said basically what she you know would who say. She's married to. Yeah, she, exactly. Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> Which is why she cuts right to the chase. But, uh, but I just thought it was a weird decision. Um, and maybe maybe some of our you know pro sound people that that listen to the show have have some thoughts about why that would happen if if my guess is incorrect. But um, 
but yeah, that was so that was the one one thing I noticed. Like I said, I really this is this is who Dave is, right? I I enjoyed the heck out of the show. I absolutely loved it. But there were these two things and that was one of them. And uh it just caught my attention and the other was and I've seen Green Day once before and I don't recall this from the last time, but their drummers Trey Cool's ability to keep time was not good the other night. He was all over the place. Like he'd be playing like a train groove on the snare drum or whatever. And then which lets him kind of do, you know, like an eighth note groove, let's say. And he gets to alternate hands, right. To do that. And then like, you know, and then he has to go to the hi hat and play those same eighth notes with one hand and he would slow down. So I don't know very much about the history of green day. I, you know, what I heard was that they were just a school pickup band out of Berkeley, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but my brother actually had a gig for uh, about a year. He went on tour with green day. He had a gig with Verizon. So Verizon was an underwriter of a, of a green day tour. And so my brother would go and set up the, the hospitality and, yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. And he was at, he was at green day sound checks for a year. And he said that these guys are way better musicians than you would know. Like their sound checks would often be, you know, jazz fusion jams type of thing. Sure. Stuff you would never expect, which I didn't know. Yeah. But um, I'm surprised when, when you're kind of sharing that the drummer was, was less than what you would have expected. I mean, he's, he's got good chops and stuff. It's just that his time was all over the place. And I heard a video from another night of the tour. Can, can you have good chops if your time is all over the place? Well, sure. I mean, you can have really? fast hands. Sure. Right. I mean, you can have really fast hands and he totally has really fast hands. Um, but uh, but his yeah, his time feel on this tour, at least, you know, the night I saw him and then, uh, you know, a video that I saw the, uh, the day after Chuck Berry died, they played um, they played uh, Johnny B. Good. Yeah. yeah. And again, the time was I mean, it was energetic as hell, but the time was like a little herky jerky as he, you know, transitioned between, you know, between like instrument colors. And uh, I don't know. It, it, like I said, I saw him once before and I do not recall this. And I feel like I would have, uh, but you never know, uh, it, you know, but uh, yeah, it was just interesting that yeah. uh, just all over that. I, I always feel like when you go to see, especially a band, that's not just, a, you know, a pro band playing an arena, but one that's got a career, you, you know, they, this isn't, they aren't one hit wonders here. Yes. But, you know, I, I expect time, time. Like that, like you don't become a successful band if well, what I'm saying. you can't keep time. Right. I, I would say you can say someone has fast hands, but I would question with regards to a drummer, any chops outside of time is irrelevant. Right. 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 That you need that first. That's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I don't know. I like maybe maybe there's something going on with him. Maybe he's had maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he had some surgery or something. I don't I don't pay that close of attention to this band. So who knows? Something may have happened to his, him in his life, you know, in the last couple of years, whatever. But um, but yeah, it was it was I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was, you know, and I asked Lisa about that, too. And she's like, yeah, I noticed. Enjoy the show. You know, <laughs> time the schedules are slow, tended to slow down, tended to speed up after fills. What, what was the time yep. issue? All of it was it was all of that. But it was mostly when he would change, like if he was playing, you know, going from the ride symbol to the hi hat, like chorus to verse, like those things, even if there wasn't like a big fill to separate it, those things would be the thing that caused the time to 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 shift. Like if, if he if he was changing the the nature of the groove, but the time didn't necessarily, you know, the time was was kept the same. It yeah. would it would not be kept the same. Yeah, you know, I actually I've only fired a couple guys in my life from a band. You yep. know, 
a, a fixed number. I think I can count them on one hand. Yep. And one of them was a drummer because every time he would do a fill, yep. he would speed up. And, and the horn players got extraordinarily frustrated that they couldn't solo because they couldn't find a groove. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, that was an early lesson. And again, you know, these are, I tend to listen to my, my studs in my band, you know, the stars, you know, that if they need something, I need to get them what they did. The guy was a really nice guy and it was fun to have in the band, but it, it became unplayable. And, you know, the guys who were taking most of the solos were like, I cannot deal with this anymore. So yeah, so that, be- that's bad. I mean, if, uh, yeah, that, that's a problem. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, like I, you know, whenever I'm playing time is the thing that like is most important. Now I'm not, I I don't feel like you have to keep perfect time all the time. Like if a band is I've played in bands that tend to speed up. Right. And and some degree of that can actually be OK. Right. Yeah. And, and it, for anybody that doesn't agree with me, I've got uh, a video of Stevie Wonder playing uh, Superstition. Actually, go listen to the album version of Superstition. It speeds up all the way through. But uh, but if you really want an enhanced version of that a much more exaggerated version. Go watch Stevie Wonder playing that same song, Superstition, on Sesame Street. It starts off uh, at one speed and ends about double that. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. But but you realize that's the only way you play that song and actually make it interesting. You think they're following Stevie and Stevie's driving the time on that? Oh, it definitely is. You can see Stevie turn at, at every turnaround, you know, uh, Superstition ain't the way, right? Th- yeah. That's where it speeds up every time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a Stevie thing. And of course, the the studio recording, I think Stevie played every single instrument on that track. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. All right. So I got some stuff to share with you. Yeah. So um, I got I got a gig I just did. I got a gig I'm about to do. And then we got an interesting question on the on our uh, on our Facebook community page. So I thought we could talk about that as well. Let's do it. Yeah. So <clears throat> we played a gig about 20, 25 miles away on Saturday night. It's a really nice club. It's a it's a. Um, it's in the Santa Cruz mountains. So it's in kind of a, a little bit of an isolated community. It's not all the way to Santa Cruz, which is a very good music town. And it's outside of what I would call, <clears throat> it's outside of what I would call my local market. And that is someone, you know, who comes to see us, you know, in our town, that's a decision. Do we want to make that drive? Do we want to drink and drive? You know, do we want to yeah. Uber that far? So, you know, and the first time we played there, so it's a club. I shared this a couple, a couple months ago. You know, I, I like to, a keep us busy in the off season, so I'd call that everything from middle of October until end of April. Yep. Uh, you know, we have three or four clubs, all of them in different directions uh, that are our homes. We have one fifty miles east, we have one fifty miles uh, south. This yep. one's about twenty five miles south, uh, and we have a club in our town. Um, the first time we played the club, we made a real hard push to get people we know to drive over the hill. Not too, not, it's not too far, guys. 20 miles, you know, 20 minutes. It's, you know, it's not that bad a drive. Uh, and we did pretty good. And we ended up, I think, at about a draw of about 120 around there. Total. Paid, you know, guests, you know, walk in, all that type of stuff. Uh, the club uh, looks full at about 180. So, you know, okay. we're, we're, we're approaching critical density, right? Yep. But it's a lot of work. You know, I did some Facebook advertising, learned a little bit about Facebook advertising. This gig, and, you know, this is life, right? So a little bit, a little bit, the band a little busier. You know, I had other gigs that I had to promote. Um, you know, 
the variables line up differently as we got into this gig, right? Yep. But I'm aiming for a regular gig here. And regular to me would be about six a year would, is what I would love. Yeah. So right now we're on two a year. Okay. Or actually, this is two in a year. And uh, I didn't have the time to promote it as much. You know, put it out like the rest of our stuff. Put it in our you know regular email, regular Facebook post. We drew about five people more. So still, and it's not a great payday even at these, right? Because we that. That club is strictly a split of the door, but it's a, a it's like a it's a club where small touring groups will come through. So it's you know great great front of house sound system, really nice stage, you know kind of a funky room. That's it's a music room. It's not a sure. club where you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a stage. It's it's built for music. Yeah, it's a music hall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they run music six, seven nights a week there. And um, so anyway, we did five more people. So still not a great payday. Yeah. And, you know, there's kind of that that antagonism, this agony of, you know, is anybody going to come if we don't push it and bring our own people? Right. Yeah. But we play, like I said, we play about 15 more minutes down the highway uh, several times a year. And so we have a little bit of a base there. Anyway, so the question is, you know, fun with numbers. We drew about five more people, but far less of our local people. So oh. is that progress or is that not progress? Right? I think is that's that, progress. I, I guess it is. You know, again, still not a great payday for the drive for some of the guys and everything, but, you know, pretty. Yeah, fun but if, if you if you're starting to develop people there and, and right. it sounds like even though it's only 20 minutes from you and perhaps only 20 minutes from, you know, the next place down the road that that you play. Uh, this is not the easiest place for people to decide to go to. It has to be locals. It has to be locals. Right. So it sounds like you're developing that, that group of locals that wants to come out and see you. And that, I think you're right that I, I always say between four and six times a year is the right thing at, 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 at our ages. When you, <laughs> no, when you're 20, you can play like the same room, you know, twice a month. And well, your friends it. will come out and totally yeah. fill it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your but, friends go out every Friday and Saturday night and Thursday and Wednesday, usually, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Like like when we were in Go Figure, it was it was like we had we did. It was we, a hang. We worked really hard to develop our, our following. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we did all the things that we should do. We've even talked about some of that in the show here. And, and honestly, I think all of us, any band, even bands that are much younger than us do far less now than bands used to back then. And we did it all. And we developed this following, but it was it in retrospect, it was easy <laughs> because everybody that we targeted was someone who was out. Like you said, you know, somewhere between two and seven nights a week. That's simply not the case these days with the people we know and, and the people we would attract to a gig. So, yeah. Yeah. Although it does, it does come around, right? It, the problem it, is when people are in the, in the child kids. rearing years. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Once you get on the other side of that, you actually have a new audience, although yes. they probably don't drink as much and they probably don't stay out quite as late. And so right. there's that, but right. anyway, weed, weed bars, Paul, I really believe that the weed that's bars, the are gonna, that's the future of this. Yeah. I really do. I know it sounds crazy, but I from your mark, lips, mark my words. Yeah, man. Ten years. You'll see. Uh, yeah. All right. So anyway, that's that's the report on that. The band actually uh, played a kill. Like our first set was OK. Um, we're playing once a week now. And so we're not quite as, you know, in sync. Uh, a couple new things going in. But we started to pick up our energy at the end of the first set. And then we killed it in the second set. And just, you know, sometimes the songs, the way they line up. 
you know, do something different on a different night. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I moved one or two songs in, in our home stretch section, but the energy was off the charts and, you know, the band was spent. And, you know, I would say this is one of the most energetic, you know, last 25% of the gigs that we've ever done. Oh. And uh, everybody felt in that good drain, you know, usually you're good drain cause you, you, but this had that, this had that, knock knock it up two notches and that's yeah. kind of what this was so you know every gig gives you something to learn from every gig gives you something to think about and this one was about you know play through till you catch your groove be entertaining always be performing yeah. and uh you know you never know what serendipity what what lightning in a bottle you're going to catch we just one or two songs changed the flow of the last home stretch of our of our show and taught us something about, you know, what things can work together and that type of thing. So, and also we had like a late, you know, influx of people kind of came in. They brought some energy with them. That was kind of cool as well. So That always helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's that gig. And yeah, I, I think, you know, fun with numbers. We only did probably five, eight people more from a pace standpoint than we did last time. But way less uh, did we have to depend on the same old people who come to many of our gigs. Right. You know? And right. yeah, there's there's something, to, you know. It's not like we're going to the bank, but um, but we learned something. So that's that. That's good, man. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of cool. Then um, you know I have this gig, so I'm kind of putting myself out there, and I'm billing. You know, it's Paul from the House Rockers in places where people know who the House Rockers are, and and I just wanted to share a couple of um, uh, just reflections on this. Right. So as I go out, and I'm determined to be a success, and a lot of the people who have bought tickets already our music friends. And I certainly don't want to fall flat. I'm just going to stop for one second here at the very intro to this segment, you cut out. So we're talking about this night of acoustic Springsteen music that you're putting on. And, right, and I right, think right, that right. I, I, I caught that, but I, I'm, I don't think anybody else did. So, Got it. Yeah, so to, yep. this Saturday night, I, uh, I made a deal with a, with a club, a nice stage, you know, big, big room uh, holds about 120, 125 seated. Um, you know, a good, again, a good music room close to where I live. And I started, Started promoting it about three and a half months ago. Uh, but again, you know, how many people are going to plan that long in advance? So I put it on the calendar, save the date. You know, I'm going to do something cool. And I've been trying all different ways to kind of harness energy. So um, I did some Facebook advertising, again, just for awareness. And, you know, like, like you and I have talked, I'm mixed about, I'm mixed about this. I mean, yeah. you as an advertising guy will look at it and tell me, if your name and your message got in front of somebody, that's what you paid for, Right. You know, whether they're going to pick up the phone and buy or, you know, press a click and buy, that's a that's a whole other level. Yeah. But in terms of exposure, you know, I, I played the game and I said, you know, any Springsteen fans within uh, 25 miles of this club is who I want to hit. And so I, I targeted a little still is underperforming what I would have thought just in terms of likes and yeah. know, just any kind of feedback. But, you know, it, it's dangerous because you get you lull your, you lull yourself into the place of. uh of false security. Like I have to do something. So I have to, you know, well, it's just, I have just to, what we were saying before, like, you know, I, like we don't, we, none of us do the same amount of work that we would have done 30 years ago or 20 years right. ago or whatever. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And then I made, uh, I made posters and I, and I handed out flyers at, at my acoustic madness oh, gigs, for you. Steve and Mary Ellen, they're going to sing a couple songs on this gig with me and they're really supportive of it. And nice. you know, they like the idea. And I think a lot of local artists are kind of looking at this, you know, saying, Oh, Wow, interesting. It's not a gig where you take the gig and the and the venue pays you. This is something he's putting himself out for. And I think a lot of my fellow local musicians are kind of looking at this like, I wonder how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, can I do something like that? What, would it be a good thing? Yeah, we, have, we have the same thing with our Fling Fests. It's like people yeah. are like, wait, what? how did you do this? Like, right. oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's I think it's good for a scene, man. Because again, totally. there's, there's, there's restaurant gigs, there's bar gigs. Where you are the where you are the music, and that's but doing something special, different, I think invigorates a scene. And like I said, Mary Ellen, you know, she could pick any of a number of artists. Uh, she's my partner in Acoustic Madness, yeah. and she's like, you know, I've always wanted to do a Linda Ronstadt, and I would pay to go see her sing Linda Ronstadt all night long. I mean, oh, she would yeah. kill on that stuff. So, and you know, and, and and Steve also has, you know, who would I do if I was to do something like this? And I actually think this is good because you know, the cover charge, the ticket charge is ten bucks in advance, fifteen bucks at the door. Okay. Not much different than, not much different than going to see a band. Um, you know, my perspective on this is that was, right? Just just to just because you live in a in an area where where frankly the cost of living is relatively high compared to the rest of the the U.S. and the rest of the world. What what is a typical cover charge just to go to see a band at at, at a normal club? Well, we've raised the rate, so we've okay. insisted on a ten dollar cover okay. charge. I mean, a lot of All places right. just do a token five dollar cover cover charge. Yep. But you know, I actually went in. I told you the story of Charlie's where I said. I said, you know, we'll take the door, but we're going to charge, you know, 10 bucks because yep. at five bucks, he couldn't make enough to pay us. Right. Yeah. Right. So, OK. Anyway, I right. just wanted to put that into perspective for everybody. Listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and, I, you know, again, I think this is everything's interconnected. So this goes back to the conversation about what is the value of music. Right. And there's enough people in this town who follow me, who follow the house rockers. Ten bucks is a night out. Right. It's, it's still it's tip money. It's, you know, they'll pay that for quality for quality music. So anyway. Uh, you know, I had this partnership with this club and again, it's a split on the door. I was okay with that. I felt pretty confident, did the numbers and I wanted to do this show as another thing. And so we started the show sells tickets through Eventbrite. Okay. And uh, so here's, here's the interesting reflection. So it is humbling because, you know, I want this to be a success. I don't want to fall flat on my face in front of my friends. I don't, you know, and again, fat on my face is nobody comes, right? right. You know, I think I'm, I'm very <laughs> yeah. confident. If you fall flat on your face, no one will know. Right. Well, although those the, the few people are there, so yeah, no, I know. I, I'm just, I'm just yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I've actually you know kind of been stepping it up. So, Facebook advertising, handing out flyers at other acoustic gigs, um, doing some emailings, um, uh, doing quite a bit of Facebook posts. So, there's three avenues I have. I have the House Rockers page. I have my Paul Paul Kent music page, and I have my personal Paul music page. All of this is Facebook stuff. And, uh, you know, using every one of those avenues to you know get awareness out. But then, you know, now we're a weekend. So I started yesterday actually reaching out personally to people saying, hey, I'm doing this gig. I'd love it if you could come. Nothing over the top, you know, very like, I just want to let you know I'm doing this gig. It's next Saturday night. And that's where it gets interesting because what you learn, you know, the number of people like, oh, sounds cool, but I've got a birthday party. Oh, sounds cool, but I've got family in town and, you know, we're not going out that night. And actually what you learn as a cover musician at least my perspective is your success is often about, about the stars lining up of people's availability. So, so this date that I picked four months ago, yep. you know, two, two yep. people that represent fairly good chunks of people that probably would come see me. Otherwise there, there are birthday parties for those people. And, you know, one of them wants to go out dancing and get crazy. And one of them is doing a house party. And so yeah. that takes, you know, but again, I, as I look at my, as I cast my net out there and again, I've got, I've got a decent net. I'm not the best net in town, you know, but people but know you're me. not the worst. Not, the, band, yeah, not right. the worst. And 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 I'm working it. And this is, again, this is the reflection is like, you know, when you are a hot local artist and there's buzz about you um, because you're doing something uniquely artistic, there's, there's a little, 
you know, there's a little bit of a, and you're also playing way less. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, with the house rockers fairly often, although this is a unique thing. So I'm, I'm actually right. going to go all the way back to this, you know, humbling, you know, reflection. Paul's playing cover tunes, even though they're really important cover tunes to Paul, it's all Springsteen stuff. <laughs> and I'm sure this will be really cool. Your success as a cover musician is largely about the stars lining up and not other things not happening on that night. Totally. Right? Yeah. I, dude. I would yeah. like to fool ourselves that we're the center of the world. No. We're arranging their life for us. We have this conversation about the dates of our fling fests and, and you can guess which one of us is the one that starts overanalyzing everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we discussed that earlier in this particular episode, but, uh, but yeah, but eventually you just have to say that's the date. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what else is going on. Now, what we've tried to do in this year, we actually kind of got bounced out of it and not kind of we got bounced out of it. We've always tried to do the first June, the uh, first Saturday in June. And we've done that for the past few years. And it's sure. it's become kind of a thing because June, especially because most of us still have kids like in the school system and all of that. You know, there's lots of things that happen in June, but having that first Saturday night of June be ours, you know, and I'm using air quotes here has helped. However, uh, this year we got bounced out of it because the club said we've got a band that wants to play two nights in a row. They're going to fill the house two nights in a row. And so we love you. Don't don't get us wrong. We love you, but you're not going to be playing that Saturday night. You know, it's like, OK, fine. So we moved it. And as it as it turns out, it works out fine because uh, Uptown Celebration wound up having a gig book that night anyway. So it all just sort of the stars aligned for Dave. <laughs> but I'm not sure how the stars aligned for Fling on this one because we moved it back a few weeks. And so now we're the Saturday after school lets out, which could be a great thing or it could be awful. And uh, and it sucks going into any gig, even if it's the first Saturday of June when we think, you know, we, we've got our, you know, our critical mass. It sucks if you don't have critical mass. Um, like you said, you know, you don't want to fall flat on your face in front of your friends. Yep. Yep. So, so anyway, goes. I've yeah. sold, I've sold almost 50 tickets. I'm pretty excited about that going one weekend. Um, you know, I got one last week of blitz. I've got my guest lists, you know, that'll continue. So, you know, for me as a solo gig, if I play to 120 people, I'm going to be pretty stoked. And mm. so that's what the goal is. Yeah, That's pretty good, man. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. We're about to find out. So the and the prep for the music is, you know, this is I am reminded how much I love playing this music. I mean, the, the words cool. just flow. It's, it, you know, the words that I thought I forgot just kind of flow right out of me. And, nice. and, um, and you, you know, you feel the changes in the music much more than you have to think about the changes in the music. And yeah. and uh, yeah, so um, this is working for me on many, many levels as long as everybody shows up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, that's cool, man. All right. Yep. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. I'm sure that, I mean, you just talked about a benefit of this thing that, that probably more important to you than how many people are in the club for the three hours that you're doing this thing. Right. You know, so, I mean, not that you want to sort of, you know, lower the bar for yourself, but there is that. So at least there's that, you know, and and actually one thing I do want to leave everybody with is. The reflection, this is good for a scene that somebody's going to step out there and do something different. Again, 10 bucks is not going to make or break anybody's life. And so, you know, and you're, you're getting paid for the value of what you're doing and all that type of stuff. And like I said, it, other musicians are now thinking about this. There's a guy in, in this area. He, he lives a little far away. He does a great John Lennon show. He looks like John Lennon. He sounds like John Lennon. And he does this around and it's it sets the bar nice and high. 
um, for that. But like I said, amongst other cover musicians, instead of, you know, just taking the safe gigs where you're paid a guaranteed amount by a venue to get out there and try and mix it up a little bit and lead, I think is good for a scene. It's good for your position and stature in a scene, yeah. you know, that you're willing to be the first to put yourself out for this stuff. And so I, I just highly re- recommend it. I mean, we get interesting emails and, and Facebook posts from people all over the world that are, that are, you know, working musicians. Most of them are cover musicians. And I would just say like this, you know, I, I actually think this is good for the house rockers. I think, you know, oh, it's I'm sure it is. Yeah. Of, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, we do different things. We're not just a, a, uh, you know, a corporate band for hire faceless. We're trying to like express some art here, which, which I think is a, is a very, very cool thing. So yeah. anyway, no, that's it's good. Was- it's good to create your own stuff. I'm a hundred percent behind it. I think it's great. Oh. All right. All right one folks. last thing. Oh yeah. Go ahead. One last thing. Very quick. Yeah. Well, maybe not quick. Hopefully quick. We got a really <laughs> cool post on our, on our Facebook page and, and uh, remember folks. Do, do we want to save two- this for next week? Because I, I mean, this could go deep. We could go deep on this. I want, let's do five minutes right now right, and okay. just give our thing and set it up and then we'll continue it next week. So fine. the question was, what do you do when you're asked, what do you charge? Yeah. And, uh, I like that. I like that more and more. And you know, the, the he, the gentleman who asked the question qualified it by saying, how do you balance fair pay, you know, for what you do versus wanting the gig, which is really, that's the tension and all this stuff. Right? Totally. It's a good, yeah. It's a great question. It tees it up. Great. Um, I, I'm just going to leave one thing here for this conversation. I rarely think that offering a price is the end of a conversation. I rarely have come across a place where if I've put out a price and someone says, oh, that's way too much. Yep. You know, that that the conversation is over like like you're, you're, on, you're yeah. in negotiating trouble now that you have to walk back from that price. So, again – uh, that that's where I want to kind of leave this and, you know, Dave, add your comments to this, but we'll, then we'll do a deep dive on it next week. I'm in, but I'm, I'm not going right. to, I'm not going to say anything. Cause I, I like the setup that you just left. So all right, this cool. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We'll this. think about it for a week and then we'll deep dive on price next week. I like it. All right, all right. folks, you know where to find us. Of course, on Facebook, go to uh, giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook and you can join this conversation ahead of time. And then we can share your thoughts uh, while we're here next week. As Paul said earlier in the episode, always be performing. Have a good week, man. Good luck with your gig, man. Thanks, bro.